should be good and take it away false starts are fun for me welcome to the tomcast i'm your host julian davis with our very special guest todd robert anderson how you doing today todd? <laughs> hey julian i'm doing all right thanks for having me on your uh, show i I've, I've never done a uh, a political podcast before this is very exciting oh really well uh, you know i, I would have thought otherwise from your twitter um, so without further ado, <laughs> let's get into uh, our main topic for the day, which is uh, misogyny Oh, criticizing women. Uh-huh. We're going to talk about specifically you getting called the misogynist for critiquing Nancy Pelosi. Uh, why didn't you tell us about what the critique was? Oh, well, it was last year, and I just felt that in, in the realm of uh, impeachment that she was... Uh, dragging her heels a little bit and uh and uh so i i I was critical of that and uh and people said well you don't you don't you're not an insider you don't know what decisions she made i was like that's fine i just feel like the impeachment should happen because i i think donald trump is crazy and dangerous and it seems like there's a lot of impeachable offenses and i don't know what you think anybody who would get mad at critiquing nancy pelosi would agree with yeah. Well, and also there's there's that thing that you know if if I'm critical of like this actually just happened to me. The, not Nancy Pelosi, but I made a joke because, you know, Dr. Phil and Dr. Oz were going on Fox saying stupid things about COVID-19. So I said, you know, thanks Oprah for giving us these jackasses. And a, a friend of mine suggested that because I was being critical of her first and not them, which was not true. I was critical of them first, but then I made the joke about her because without her, we wouldn't have those guys, most likely. Um, and she suggested that I was both racist and misogynistic for oh. uh, critiquing Oprah and holding her accountable for what two dumb old doctor guys say. Um, and I... I had a back and forth with her, but I just like that knee jerky thing. I understand the sensitivity. Uh, I, I do, but, uh, like calling someone those things for being critical of public figures, especially politicians. If I'm not allowed to be critical of a politician because of her gender, then isn't that sort of sexist if I'm not, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, the thing is, is that you're not allowed to be critical of a politician because of her gender. You're allowed to be critical of a politician for all their decisions, right? Right, right. And you're like, wow, that Nancy, women shouldn't be in politics. That's one thing. That's what actual misogyny looks like, critiquing somebody and also calling to attention the fact that, yes, if Oprah gave these people a voice and she has power, she's giving them validity and credibility by elevating them, right? Any person in power or has power has a duty to use their voice I, I agree. In ways that are are good for society, right? Because, well, I mean, that's only if you fundamentally agree with, you know, what I think the, rob- the problem with the nation is that we have uh, fundamentally lost Spider-Man's values as a country, okay? With great power <laughs> comes great responsibility. Uh-huh. And it seems like everybody forgot the responsibility part where, like, you yeah. actually have duty and duty matters. I um, agree. And in and- the case of Oprah and her idiot doctors, you know... Uh, is she responsible for everything they say? No, but but when they say things that irresponsibly stupid as they did, then because she is in no small way responsible for their stardom and their giant careers and their million million dollar salaries, yeah, she should at least come out and say the the those guys are being stupid and they're idiots and stop listening to them. But she didn't. Or, or. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, if this is too crazy, it's a joke. Yeah, yeah, there's <laughs> that, comedy, there's that. Right? Yeah. It's called comedy. You could see this as a lot of things. It's wordplay on Thanks Obama, right? <laughs> yeah. Which is a common meme. Did everyone, did everyone go around saying that you're racist and I'm a Sandrist? 
when you're using thanks Obama, especially people who are using it ironically. Right. Or unironically. Right there. Yeah. I mean Wow, I have healthcare. Thanks, Obama, right? That was like a common thing. Like people right. using it like facetiously. So calling back and thank thanks Oprah. Like so we have a wordplay to an older meme, but it checks out. Um we have a valid critique of a person in power and a celebrity for you know having elevated these people and not correcting their record on it right mm -hmm. it silence is complicit um and then somebody using misogyny as i i just yeah i, I mean the sensitivity but there is absolutely no logic other than her own insecurity yeah probably yeah. Or, or her At own sensitivity MC, about it yeah I mean, I understand people being sensitive about that stuff, and I totally respect it. And I, I'm, if I say something dumb, uh, I'm the first person to admit it if I get called out for it. Um, and I always apologize. Right. But in this case, it was like I can't make We've fun of Oprah. Like that. That was how I think we actually like first engaged on Twitter. Was I was like, I don't like this. This, <laughs> right. this does not. This I don't like this. This doesn't speak to me. I'm not the intended audience for this tweet. That's what it was. Right, Turns right. Turns out I was the perfect intended audience. I was just being sensitive. Well, yeah, and I think we all are. I know I am. Um, um, and But we've ha we have good conversations on Twitter, um, even when we disagree with each other. Um, you're very Absolutely. good at com You're very good at communicating, uh, you know, your point of view in a reasonable way. Without, I mean, I see you. Right. I see you getting in fights with people too. Oh, I. <laughs> Let me tell you what that is. Okay, sometimes I'm like I have a little bit of aggression and I have emotional whipping boy that I need to take it out on. Whoever pisses me off at Twitter wins the award that day. <laughs> <laughs> really fucked up. Really fucked up. Actually, but since EMS is a hell of a drug. You know, it's nice to look at you and talk I'm to blame you. It on being a woman. Can you tell me? Can you explain? Um, not explain, but just sort of define your political uh, perspective. Oh, God. I was having this conversation last night with um, some friends. Um, God. Okay. So I guess I would have to start with, um, you know, democracy is the worst form of government, except for all the others. <laughs> right. right? Yeah. Yeah. And I tried to go down the list of like, let's think about like fantasy societies, right? Complete utopia, even like completely in theory, there's still no way for any society that tries to have some type of universal moral code to not be authoritarian. That well, because who's applying it? Who's applying it? The, at some point down the line, it will be authoritarian because people have to have the ability to choose. Yeah, I yeah, it's weird. Well, and and where do you think the I know like like democratic socialism versus democratic capitalism, like where where do you oh, fall I mean, in that? Okay, so so that's actually good. I like the way you phrase that. So I guess I would definitely say I'm a dem socialist, but I wanna I would like to qualify this a lot because i think there's a misunderstanding in america right now based on what capitalism actually is as defined by adam smith in the wealth of nations right mm. the capitalist manifesto if you would right um nowhere in the entire wealth of nations does he say yeah corporations people totally treat them that way let them make all the money and don't tax them no 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 Adam Smith mentions corporations once in the entire wealth of nations, and it is to say that anything resembling the structure of a publicly traded company would be corrupt and corrupt the entire system. He was pro partnerships like law firms are today, right? They're partners. Mm -hmm. um, everybody is checking each other. They want to make sure you're not fucking up because that's their money too. Right. And you're actively involved in both the management and everyday business. Of, of the company right and or like apprenticeships that was what what he envisioned right it was about private ownership which i'm not against right i'm not mm -hmm. against the idea of people being able to own a land right or or own their own home i'm very pro that um i think land ownership is actually hugely crucial and, and one of the things that you could even see is like um a main driver of inequality um the ability to pass down land and inherited land is, is huge in the baseline um, that any family has when they start. 
um, and intergenerational wealth as well. Um, but we don't have capitalism in America. We have corporatism. I right? agree with that. We had capitalism. We had capitalism. We did. The founding fathers placed specific, very specific limits on corporations. And like most people do not know this. They were not allowed to exist in perpetuity. They had a limited lifetime. They had to exist for a public good. Building a school, building roads, right? Mm -hmm. um, that kind of stuff. So you had to be serving the public. Um, you couldn't exist forever unless the people of the town who your chartership was through actually voted to renew it. So like the Sriracha factory poisoning all those residents and making their eyes all itchy and people having to move away where they've lived forever because of what they've done wouldn't be allowed to continue to exist in that community. Um, and uh, lastly, my favorite, which is um, shareholders were directly liable for damages a corporation incurred. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I, I want you to think about that. How would yeah. that change American democracy today? That's it, what it was, right? Yeah. That's what it was. It was subverted in 1886. Santa Clara versus the railroad, right? The big four who are obviously existing for public good, building the railroad, but mm -hmm. we're also raking in so much fucking money mm -hmm. with the burgeoning steel industry and industrialism just on the cusp of the like, Industrial Revolution in the United States, right? Um, and this is also post-Reconstruction Civil War. Um SCOTUS, uh, which has now been stacked with more conservative justices as a gimme to the South, right, to try to heal um, those relationships. That was one of the ways that they did that. Um, decided to rule that the 14th Amendment, which was passed to grant equal protection, right, if the 13th Amendment ended slavery, the 14th Amendment now gave equal protection under the law to African Americans, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. and to white people in general, like, like to lower white people in general, also indentured servitude, but that's not as important. The 14th Amendment was really that black people are people and they deserve equal protection under the law. Mm -hmm. The 14th Amendment decided that, well, if black people are people, then my business is a person too. And how many former slaves, 20 years after the end of the Civil War, are business owners? How many former slave owners are business owners? It was an extra level of personhood over black people mm -hmm. right yeah that so that the makes 14th sense amendment was bastardized to grant corporate personhood which was the stare deceases the president used in citizens united to allow them to donate unlimited amounts of money to political campaigns right right it all stems back from that decision when you look at the timeline of personhood rights versus corporate rights which i highly recommend you do move to amend.org has it out and I'm almost done with uh, a paper that goes through each of those acts and decisions and things that happened um, laws um, that they mentioned throughout the timeline I've actually am almost done with a complete like context so it goes through each event and gives you the context of what was happening in the country along that time what was influencing it um, and uh, how we got to where we are pretty much um, and as corporations gained more rights, we lost ours. So we don't have capitalism. We have corporatism, right? When you look at workers' rights, we used to have a completely non-regulated country, mm -hmm. right? When people talk about regulation as killing industry, you are absolutely right. We used to have um, a non-regulated country, and there was definitely a lot more industry then. I wouldn't say regulation killed industry um, unless you think it's okay for six-year-olds to work 14-hour days, six days a week in a factory to make three cents to stand in line with their family every night um, at the soup kitchen. If you're fine with that and with forced child labor, um, kids losing limbs by age 12, no compensation. They would be physically abused if they didn't work fast enough. If you're okay with all of that, then yes, let's remove regulations. Totally. Right. Child labor. <laughs> yeah. Would like, you, I just, would like, you the define... Have the 40-hour work week is because corporations abused people so strongly right when they had no regulations they didn't police themselves right would you define this uh deregulation of corporations as is because one of the things that you know when i get in conversations debates with various people uh people who uh call themselves true progressives 
uh, I've been accused of neoliberalism. And I am not that at all as far as I understand what that word means. You can't be a neoliberal and criticize Nancy Pelosi. Those things aren't compatible. (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't understand it. But, you know, people have their knee-jerk reactions and names that they call people when they disagree with them, which is whatever. That's fine. It certainly made me try to understand that term because the way it gets thrown around, I think it's been muddied. The, the waters have been muddied about what that means, oh, yeah. given that when you look that up oh, online, yeah. the first picture you see is of Ronald and Nancy Reagan. Those are neoliberals. So I'm like, you're accusing me of being of being like a Reagan apologist? I, it's, it's so confusing. So, but what you're saying sounds like, is is that what neoliberalism is? That deregulation of corporations? Is that a, is that what that is? Um, that wouldn't be what I would define neoliberalism is. I would define neoliberalism as fiscally conservative, socially liberal. Was how I would define neoliberalism okay. compared with our true conservatives, right? Because the American left is really more center right when you compare it to the global world politics, and our right is just really fucking far right. 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 <laughs> so I wouldn't say neoliberalism is like in an essence a deregulation, but is deregulation a part of neoliberalism in certain aspects? Not compared to what we have exactly now, but compared globally, yes. They're not as probably as prone to the type of regulation that I think that we should have. I don't think that when we have people in power that that means you're entitled to the same level of privacy as a private citizen. If anything, you taking on a power role in any capacity means that you understand you're actually um, giving up your right to a certain level of privacy in order to be transparent, Mm -hmm. in order to be accountable. Um, I don't think that the idea that you should get more privacy because you're in power that sounds a lot like a slippery slope to dictatorship. Yeah. Right? Like, if anything, that's the whole act of public service, right? It's a public service. You know what you're doing it means that you're giving up your right to privacy in certain things, but it's to help the public good. It's to put the service back in public service. Right. Which, um, yeah, that would certainly like, be a nice thing uh, to see happen. Sorry, kind of tangential. It's just, uh, it's all convoluted. It's a lot. Um, but as far as, like, systems go... I wanted to answer that more in depth. Dem socialist, but I'm also like, when I say socialist, I don't mean socialism, right? We all, I think most adults all understand that the idea of communism is a beautiful, wonderful theory, but in actuality, um, it's unable to live up to the theory in much the same way that American democracy has not been able to overcome, like overcome the tribalism that George Washington said would result in a permanent tyranny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even in a democracy. Beard of Party is its greatest rankness. Um, honestly, his entire farewell speech is great, but the part where he talks about the spirit of party, right, tribalism, mm-hmm. that entire like three-paragraph section is like what I like to refer to as America's dark prophecy because it pretty much has prophesied exactly Donald Trump. Yeah. It's prophesied Donald Trump. Yeah. And exactly what would happen. Yeah. That the alternate domination of one faction over another foments jealousies um so you have whoever's in power you know doing stuff that pisses off the other party and vice versa over and over and over again until the animosity is so great um we've forgotten the thing that makes america already great is that we can all have different opinions on how to get there but we all fundamentally want what's best for all america Mm -hmm. right that we can all have these different opinions and that's okay right I mean, it is, I get in these debates uh, about opinions all the time because, you know, one of the great, you know, First Amendment is just an opinion. It's different ideas. I mean, you got neo-Nazis saying that to you now. And it's like, no, 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 no. I'm pretty sure we had this giant world war so we wouldn't have to listen to your dumb ideas anymore. Um, (laughs) And just like a guy Hitler lost. Yeah, yeah. Here's an analogy. Uh, I, I was talking to my mother-in-law the other night, and uh, we were talking about scotch, uh, which she really doesn't drink very much of. And I, I said that I think Dewar's is disgusting. <laughs> and she said, no, I like Dewar's. And I was like, 
Well, that's just because I don't think your palate is educated enough to know that Dewar's is really gross. But if you had more of an education about single malt Scotch whiskey, you'd understand that most blended Scotch whiskey is not very good by comparison. And she got mad at me and said, well, it's an opinion. It's just an opinion. And I said, well, it's also your palate. And she's like, no, it's an opinion. It's not my palate. It's just your opinion, man. But what I'm saying is, is if your opinion is wildly uneducated, then, then it's... Oh, absolutely. It's not, it's, n- it's not a good opinion, and it's okay to say, no, that opinion is actually wrong. You're wrong. If you have an educated well, opinion, it's the different. The only thing you're entitled to is your opinion, right? And I'm entitled to critique it as much as I want because that's my opinion. It, yeah, absolutely. That's whenever people right? say, that's you know. That's a fundamental thing. People talk about political correctness, too, you know, in social media uh, and scream about the First Amendment rights. Like, I got in a, a bit of a debate with the... Uh, Uh, anti-vaccination person uh, on Facebook and she got very mad at me and started screaming about her first amendment rights. And I said, you, you said it. And now I am just doing what I think is the responsible thing and telling you you're wrong. And what you're saying is dangerous. And she got even angrier at me. My first amendment right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. People have a really hard time understanding that your rights end where another person's begin. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and another right? thing... And vice versa. They have a yeah. really hard time with boundaries. It seems to be an issue, especially on social media, because the lines are so blurred. Yeah. And also, like, in another thing I think about in, in this realm is, you know, when people... I mean, you hear all the time, oh, you're, you're too politically correct, and you're too... And it tramples on my First Amendment's right. Your, your political correctness. And I think about... I, 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 I kind of hate... Love, listen to Bill Maher on a regular basis, the podcast version of his show. Um, And when he started his show Politically Incorrect, so much of political correctness back then was about like Twisted Sisters saying gross sexual things that religious people were offended by. And that was political incorrectness then. But now it's different. It's like the whole thing has changed and now you can't... you you can't say um, that's you, that sounds racist racist. to me because then they're like, well, no, you're you're being politically correct and you're trampling on my rights. And it's like, whoa, whoa, what happened to political correctness just being offended, offensive to uh, uh, religious people? That incorrectness is, you know what I mean? Well, I absolutely do. That's actually, I didn't even know that. That's hilarious and fascinating considering that it seems to be the people who complain the most about political correctness ruining things is religious people yeah exactly when they were the you ones know, who were offended in the 80s phenomenal yeah they they were the ones who were being offended and telling every artist to shut up in the 80s but they've taken on that mantle for said, themselves oh totally what you said about uninformed opinions really struck a chord with me because um i personally do uh I, I do feel like so often um, people conflate opinion with fact. They don't know how to tell the difference either. Um, like they're they're trying to say that well, that's just your opinion. No, 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 no. That if that's that's if that's like just hard data and science, mm-hmm. that's just a fact. Mm-hmm. What you're trying to construe from it is an opinion, mm-hmm. right? Like people make these like false univariate correlations in data, and they can't tell the difference between the actual data, the facts, and opinion. There was a really cool study done that was like showing how essentially um, people over the age of 65 on Facebook will not be able to tell the difference between fact and opinion 90% of the time. Um, well, in, in in no small way, I think that has to do with the way uh, the media, the news has become, the twenty four hour news cycle, the twenty four hour cable channels. When oh, yeah. they don't fill, oh, yeah. they don't fill up an hour, uh, our show with nothing but news. They fill it up with little news headlines and then talking heads telling opinions, you know, just talking about it and giving their opinion as if it's news and it's not. It's just yeah. an opinion. I was 
I was saying that to my husband the other day. I was like, how do I become a political pundit? Because it seems like you don't have to have any recommendations or any qualifications to do it. And there's, there's um, so, like, co- comedians are political pundits now. Like, people who used to do comedy don't Joe do Rogan, comedy anymore because right? they make hella money Joe. talking on, on Fox or wherever. Oh, not quite the same, but yeah, that's true. Um, I was like saying, I'm like, dude, I miss like I miss the Daily Show. I miss the Colbert Report. You mean when um, you say the Daily Show, honestly, you mean the John ever since Stewart their shows? John Daly. Yeah, I mean, sorry, John Stewart. Yeah, yeah, sorry, God, brain. Do you watch it with yes. Trevor Noah at all? Um, yes, yes. It's just not the same, you know. Does it's it? good, but like it was just like that era. It was it was the Daily Show followed by the Colbert Report, and there was like Colbert was just like the perfect satire of like conservative American politics, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That he would just kind of show these beliefs and exactly why they were ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, there's somebody I saw on Twitter who's like, I miss you. Like I miss how you used to be. Like you're not funny anymore. I don't know why you changed. And I'm like, it, he's always been this way. If you couldn't tell that what he did before was a character that chokes on you, <laughs> yeah. that's really embarrassing. Wow. Oh, don't the best thing he delete this actually. I'd feel bad. The best thing he ever did was the um the president. What what is it? The the press thing they the do every year. Where they they roast the uh, the White House Correspondents' Dinner? Yes, thank you, thank you. The Colbert one. I mean, Michelle Wolfs was pretty brilliant too, but he kind of set that precedent of. I liked her. Yeah, yeah, she she was really good, Uh, and I liked her show too. I was sad it didn't last, Um, but his when he did that, it was so brilliant, and he got no laughs. I mean, it was uncomfortable in the room, but it was amazing to watch. I think it's one of the funniest things he ever did. He's brilliant. I loved his book, I'm America and So Can You. In the beginning, it has rules for how you're allowed to read it, right? The only thing he says that you're allowed to use as a bookmark is another copy of I'm America and So Can You or a holy Bible. (laughs) Just like the level of, like, the the level of satire to take it to that, I just, I can't. And the fact that he actually won, like, 16% of the vote when he ran um, in, what was it, 2008 or something, Mm -hmm. was just, like, in South Carolina or whatever. I was like, holy shit. That's God, that doesn't bode well. Like, what if we, what if we actually vote for a celebrity in the future? <laughs> and then, ah! But it would have been so much better if it was Colbert. I know. Honestly, it's our fault for ever electing Reagan as governor in the first place in California. We really set the president. I, I, um, I blame us. I blame yeah, us. for you know, being we're the leaders in this country. Everyone looks to us. Yeah, well, kind of, not really. <laughs> I feel like everybody hates us. Just on certain things. Fuel economy, leaded gasoline. Um, we were the first ones to start banning it. Pretty much because of the... Wait, do you know about that? Like, That's like one of the things that like blows my mind about the U.S. government. And like, my whole thing is like, if you can come up with a form of government who can solve this problem and have acted differently than the American government did, I think you have created an actual, like, the next best idea for a form of government i've gone through like the list of trying to find different ones and how they'd solve it nope no nobody makes the right decision so automobile industry used leaded gasoline right um the guy who invented lead lead dating or discovered it rather and also led uranium dating um claire cameron patterson literally the world's leading expert on lead and lead in the environment um you know 30s 40s 50s 60s while he was doing lead dating um, I think he also had something to do with the Manhattan Project, loosely. Um, but when he was doing his lead samples, he was taking lead samples from all over the world so that he could have, he wanted to have an idea of how much lead was already in the environment versus how much is human exposed. And the levels that he found in LA, right? Think mm-hmm. about the smog of LA, especially in the 60s, right? Mm-hmm. 50s and 60s mm-hmm. was something like 150 times the safe levels yeah it should be and he's like it's everywhere he put it together and realized holy shit it's leaded gasoline and this level of lead is going to cause prefrontal cortex damage in all of the youth here um and he spoke out about it and do you think the gas industry think about big oil yeah we're not going to all of a sudden switch all of that and switch it in their cars because the scientist said it so after he came out with the criticism, um, all of a sudden he stopped getting contracts. Even the supposedly neutral, like United States, like National Institute of Health, or whatever it was called at the time, 
when they had their world conference on lead exposure in the environment, even though he was the world's most leading expert, was not invited. Wow. Um, it wasn't until eight years later when car companies realized the leaded gasoline was destroying the catalytic converters in cars and that they would <sighs> have to warranty replace all of them that they got rid of the leaded gasoline. Yeah, well, yeah, that's typical big industry, The right? crime spike of youth in the 70s and 80s is attributed to the lead exposures prior. The crime like spike? Specifically in the L.A. area. Oh, really? For youth in the 70s and 80s of L.A. is attributed to the prefrontal cortex damage because prefrontal cortex damage causes impulse control problems. It's attributed directly to the lead exposure. Wow. They should make another, uh, they should make a zombie movie set in the 70s where the leaded gasoline uh, causes... That would be so fun. <laughs> right. Like it was never removed and all of a sudden people are all just like, zo- oh, that would be actually a really good idea. <laughs> I'm always into zombie movies. I want, I want to, there's never been, there's never been a true, like, supernatural zombie movie, right? It's always these viruses or something like that, or well, bacteria. Well, no, if you go I back, want, like, a, if a you go back to, raising the dead. Yeah, if you go back to the original, I mean, the original Night modern zombie, because zombies initially were Haitian things, and there were people basically on drugs. Right, exactly. It was from a Haitian voodoo ritual. Yeah. Well, it was more than that. It was when you killed somebody, you got punished, and how you got punished was that you got pumped full of sodium barbiturate, a bunch of hallucinogenic drugs, you got buried, you had to crawl out of your own fucking grave, and then the family who you stole you know, someone's life from, mm-hmm. um, you're their slave, and you have to do what they say. You're a zombie, and you're filled with drugs, so you're incredibly... Sodium barbiturates in part particular make you incredibly suggestible right it's a date rape drug right for that reason right um yeah so it came from like punishing people right of i love that you knew about the haiti thing because most people don't know it comes from haiti well i'm a zombie nut so romero who who night of the living dead and romero never called them zombies he called them ghouls but the audiences called them zombies so it stuck um, and that's those are supernatural zombies. They're just the dead rising from the grave. Nobody knows why. And then in the '80s, when like zombies started eating brains, like before they just ate whatever yeah. flesh. And in the '80s, it was brains. And like Return of the Living Dead, those are nuclear zombies. It's like toxic waste zombies. So there's a little more sci-fi to those zombies. Right. And then you got the Danny right. Boyle zombies, right. which are viral. Um, but right. yeah, just a is that. 28 days later type stuff yeah 28 days later yeah that would be viral um and then yeah. i don't know if you've seen train to basan which of course i have it's phenomenal yeah it's gotta be one of the best zombie movies ever made i just rewatched it again last night one of the best did you see train to basan 2 they're making a sequel yeah that's exciting didn't they make a, a animated I'm excited. didn't they do an animated one two i feel like there's there an, animated. an animated something like that recently no you are right there is one i don't know it but it, I, vaguely in the back of my mind i feel like it was like on recommended right on it next to train to busan on netflix yeah and then at, last night i watched train to busan and i watched this new canadian zombie movie called blood quantum and blood quantum in its execution not great but it was a great uh concept um in that it was uh, oh well i'm open to that kind of stuff then it's a zombie outbreak and the and there's a group of people who are immune to it and they're natives native americans are the only people immune to the zombie bites that was the concept so it's like are they going to help the white people who can get easily infected or not is sort of Part of the and the white people who like ruined their whole lives as well. So there's some socio-cultural commentary going on at the same time. Right. Oh, I can't wait to watch that. I like the concept. It's interesting. It has a lot of I pacing. Don't care if it's cheesy or anything. It has pacing problems. I'll say that. But uh, it did generate. My wife and I had a whole conversation because you know there there's these battling factions of the Native American uh, uh, survivors in this movie, and one of them's like, "Fuck these white people. Fuck them." just send them to their death, you know? And, and she was like, and this other guy's like, well, that's wrong. You know? And obviously it is, it's not, you know, it's, it's not ethical, but understandable. With smallpox, like, do you really want to use two wrongs, make a right as your rationale? That's two year old logic. Right. Right. So, but still I was empathetic to the guy who was mad at the white people. I was like, well, he, what he's doing is wrong. And I agree with you, but 
it's kind of understandable to me. Oh, totally. Absolutely understandable. 100%. I mean, yeah, I mean, just right when I talked about the intergenerational wealth and history, like their future was taken from them by us. Right. So, you know, but also there's also like, I shouldn't have to pay for the sins of my father kind of thing. Like I'm, I didn't make those choices, but you know, shouldn't we make good on it now? Oh, oh, a lot of philosophical concepts there. Um, how how are you with I that? I lost my train of thought earlier. How are you with the reparation debate? Oh. Where do you land on that? I mean, I don't have any problem with making reparations, but like, I also kind of have like a Robin Hood mentality where I'm like, every billionaire is a policy failure. That's where we'll get the money from. Yeah, yeah, I I think like, that that's what happened to the Big Four. Take that. Mm-hmm. Take it from whatever is left of Rockefeller and Carnegie and them yeah because they profited off of that you know well isn't it that like in the 50s when america was great at least for white people which is kind of what i think make america great again is suggesting but isn't it true that most of we taxed the hell out of rich people in the 50s and we poured all that money into education and that's why things got that's good? why america was great was because we taxed rich people 70 fucking percent <laughs> Actually, it was 95% for the highest percentile, wasn't it? it was yeah, it was crazy like, crazy that. like um, that. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy like that. And those were all FDR things, right? Um, that timeline I told you about. So you see this one little bloop in it where you're starting to see people, well, personhood gets eroded, eroded. FDR, it's a new deal. All of a sudden, personhood rights make a little, mm, they're com- making a comeback. And then you just see over time, the GOP and Democrats alike, because, I mean, FDR didn't have enough delegates going to the convention. Mm-hmm. It was a contested convention when he went into it, right? He actually convinced the person running against him mm-hmm. that, okay, you can be my running mate. Let's make a deal, right? Like, you can be my VP, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's a deal. Um, and was able to finagle that, but he wasn't even able to make that agreement or deal until the convention, right? right? So, like, it wasn't like he was, like, unanimous, like, it wasn't like, Democrats then were unanimously behind him by any means. Um, And you just kind of see the slow erosion after that point of them slowly just picking those little things apart and it picking just like uh, death from a thousand paper cuts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. You see it rise back up and then you just see it slowly getting eroded until where we are today where workers' real wages have stagnated since 1974, but we're seeing record growth and profits for the top 16,500 people. Yeah. Well, and they started, you know, really in the, what, late 60s, probably before that, eroding the power of unions, which was another reason that the 50s right, were so Reagan great. Right, and Reagan really finished it up with his union busting, right? He, he finished the job. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and that was our civil power in the country, right? Well, it's like when, when people... People forget that if it wasn't for unions, there wouldn't be an eight-hour workday, even though that's sort of gone the way of the dodo, too. But that wouldn't exist. Well, the, the concept wouldn't exist. you get paid overtime if you work longer than eight hours. Right. That you're not beholden there. Then if you don't stay that time that you're fired, that's from there. Right. The fact that if you get hurt on the job because your employer was negligent, you're not on the hook for it. Workers' rights. The fact kids aren't in factories anymore and we don't have child labor. Workers' rights. Right. Right. All of it comes back to, like, to the basic idea that like Roosevelt said that if you work 40 hours a week, and we all agreed you shouldn't have to work more than 40 hours a week to be able to feed and care for your family. Right. And yeah. And that, that was the idea behind minimum wage being implemented in the first place. If you were to, if minimum wage had been scaled um, with inflation, minimum wage would be $32 today. Yeah. And I, I mean, and I see all of this i mean it's like the right to work laws which are, are they undermine unions hugely and Absolutely. and legally Absolutely. like my union legally can't tell someone you can't you can't blackball anybody anymore you can't you, you know you can't call them scabs right. and kick them out because it's illegal so now you know there's this quote unquote common core you know actor who can do non-union and union like through a special agreement with the union and all that all that does is undermine the union create more non-union work create work that that 
doesn't pay shit. I mean, like, I, I don't understand do that it. when you're SAG eligible before you've actually joined, right? Like, if you're SAG eligible, you can still continue to do non-union work and union work. But once you get into it, you're not supposed to be able to do non-union work. And that's about protecting everyone who's in the union's pay rates. Right. But now, because of the right to work laws, there are common core, uh, or not common core, uh, whatever it's called. Actors, and they. I know what you mean, whatever it, it is, yeah. Yeah, it's an agreement where they can do both. And they don't, uh, there's certain things that the union provides that they don't get because they're doing non union work, but the non union work has ballooned so much. You know, people are doing commercials now, which I don't get. I mean, it's like people are doing commercials for. 500 bucks and that's all they see and this commercial runs for two years you know and i'm like why would you why would you do that <laughs> why would you do that i just don't get it you know what it's a, it's it's the cheapening of the bargaining power like you said um people are so desperate now um and I, I i think that kind of goes back to the overall wage problem in the country like if you were more secure then you can stay secure by keeping people insecure they don't have any bargaining power there's no leverage right when you need it whatever you can take you, you have no leverage anymore um which is also like kind of seeks into why i'm pro medicare for all and how i try to explain it to people which is like it's not making the government control hospitals hospitals can still be privately owned right right it's about having the largest union in the country with the buying power of every single american whose only job is to argue for better quality of health care that you can actually afford on your behalf. That is their only job. Right? right. There's no incentives, no financial incentives. There's nothing where they get a bonus because they didn't pay out on claims, which um, Wendell Potter, the former VP and head of PR for Cigna, who is now a massive Medicare for all advocate, um, you know, he's come out and he's talked about everything that like Biden and even Warren people who are pro public option were saying, um, he's like, I, I, I get it because I wrote that script. Oh, oh, I wrote that script and we've been preparing, we've been preparing for, you know, Medicare for all for a while. Like when people talk about, Oh, the people lose jobs, the health insurance industry. He's like, no, we know that our days are numbered before people wise up. We knew that. That's why we've divert. That's why we diversified like crazy. It's not just health insurance, right? Right. It's 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 dental. It's pet insurance. It's it's life. It's getting into annuities. It's all of these additional things. They're prepared. They're not gonna have. When they are when whenever it does happen, they're not gonna. We don't have to worry about them, right? They're 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 not gonna lose out on money. We'll put right. it that way. They're well aware and they're well positioned, um, and. You know, he talked about how how do how do people who how do insurance agents for health insurance companies or adjusters get paid? They have to deny a certain number of transplants, and if they hit that quota of denying transplants, um, they get their bonus or they get a raise that year. And if they hit a certain higher level, they get an even higher raise that year. So they're literally financially incentivized, rewarded, to let people die. Yeah. Well. You can't yeah. serve two masters at once, right? This is a Christian idea. You can't serve money and God. You right. can't serve the advancement of human health and profit. These are non-compatible right. um, objects. Like, for-profit healthcare is not the best model for human health advancement. Why would we use the worst model for the actual goal of healthcare? Yeah, I mean, and right. I, I mean, obviously that's the only reason. I totally, um, I'm very empathetic. Ficor, by the way, that's what the word I was searching for. I was saying Common Core because my wife is a teacher, and that's oh, it's Ficor. <laughs> yeah, Ficor. I was wondering. I'm like, I'm like, I nannied. So I don't have kids, and I know I tried to help the kids with the Common Core math. That's not how you carry over a one. What is this crazy stuff? Yeah, so I yeah, it's I figured it was something like that. Well, my <laughs> wife teaches as a, uh, at a public charter school so she doesn't deal with that they okay. create their own curriculum but i often hear her complaining about common core stuff it's a it's a strange oh i'm sure it's very strange um and the way charter schools have been vilified is also very strange um because of the way I other it states on the charter school it depends on the state too yeah you're right it does depend on the yeah. charter school there are bad ones just like there are bad public uh, you yeah. know, common core public schools um right there are bad public schools or bad private schools it depends on oversight it depends on the people working there it depends on putting the right people in the right positions yeah i agree right? 
Uh, well, back to your point about health insurance. I mean, I I empathize with people who are afraid of of losing their earnings based, you know, uh, health programs that they're on through their employers. I understand that. I mean, I, I understand the fear. Oh right. Um, I, I totally get it. But I, you right, know, I as mean, somebody, it's be something like thirty percent unemployment rate this year. Yeah, and 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 as somebody who. Like the the way the Screen Actors Guild, the SAG After thing works is is it's earnings based, and there's two different health plans, but you have to earn like I think more than thirty five grand in a year to get on the plan one, and then you got to earn like seven or eight grand to be on plan two. So I see actors who struggle all the time because more and more okay. you know bit players like me, guest stars, we've been sort of pushed into this realm of hobbyists instead of actual professionals because you you can't make right. a ton of they find new ways of screwing you out of money all the t- all the time um, it's it's really I'm interesting because to hear it when I first came to LA and I was doing commercials in the in the 90s the mid 90s um, I would sit with all these actors who I'd seen in commercials growing up through the 80s you know and I heard them complaining about how, like, when they booked a commercial in the 80s, you booked one national, and you could buy a house. Right, right. But because now... you would have those royalties for days every time it aired, right? Right. And then, they, and I heard them complaining that now, you know, oh, I got to book five or six of these things to make the same living I did in the 80s. So, and, and it's just gotten consistently worse. It's devolved over the years. And now you... You, you can't really make a living on commercials anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I do hear that. I don't know if it's because advertising is less impactful. Uh, no, it's because... Or it's adver- just that it's, they've all cheaped out. It's that, and the and part of the, part of the problem is the union not um, doing a better job of negotiating these contracts. They, they still, like, new media, oh, the internet is still new media. I mean, come on. There's commercials all... I they remember should... that. No, you're right. No, you're right. I, re- I remember reading about this particular change with the Screen Actors Guild and how they kind of failed on that negotiation um, to keep that and how it was actually really hurtful to the industry like you said for up and coming it kind of just reinforced that only well-established people can make that kind of money it kind of reinforced a a classism if you would within the union which the union's supposed to be equalizing right right and i i definitely think that's a thing because it, it you know hollywood works on a star system you know still even though it's it almost seems like stars are irrelevant as far as what becomes hits and what what doesn't but because stars command, yeah. you know, ever since Jim Carrey went to $20 million a picture, you know, stars are commanding so much money. But that winds up coming out of the pockets of the working class actors. And they find ways around, you know, like when I started, if I booked a guest star, that was a week's worth of work and they would pay you well. Um, but now you can do the same part and they'll shoot it all in a day. So they only have to pay you as a day player. I mean, that's how they do oh, it. God. So they can. It's such a different pay rate, too, when it's just a day versus credited or uncredited, too, or if you're getting principal or not. Yep. Yeah, oh, it's very frustrating. Jesus. Yeah. It, yeah. it is. It well, bugs me. Especially when they're cutting it down in that way. Yeah. I mean, reasonably so, to be honest. That's. Yeah, I mean, I think part of that, too, though, is, like you said already, the the weakening of the bargaining power they even have. I know part of what happened with that was also the way copyright laws were changed. Um, And that was a a Reagan era administration decision Um, that even the way copyright is applied now for actors did not favor them. California is a little bit different in the way that like we do certain things because it's definitely, luckily a lot of our, I mean, people say Hollywood rules California, right? But what we actually have in place in California is the ability to safeguard those people, like actors. I mean, I mean, show business was looked on as such a, as like a dirty thing, right? For a really long time. Yeah. It was it was considered a uh, very low class. My great grandmother actually was an animator for Disney, um, and um, Walt Disney came to her house, this is in Anaheim, to offer her a job to animate, and her father said 
that if she went to go work for him, he would disown her and that show business was dirty and that if she wanted to be dirty too, she was not welcome in his house while she left the house with Walt Disney and helped to animate Steamboat Willie. Oh, wow. Um, right? The first animation. That's yeah. crazy. Um, so she said, fuck you, apparently to him. But um, Good for her. The Right? But... But it was still dirty. What, what? How did that change to now where celebrities are people who are like, wow, we're starstruck. It was the union and it was the work that the Screen Actors Guild Union did after it formed to change the way that they were viewed, right? To right. say, we're people and we deserve rights. We're not dirty. We're not lesser than. Right. Although I wish it, it was still... I, I, I do believe in separating art from the artist, but we won't get into that. Life would be so much easier, though, if I was under contract like they used to have it at the studios where they just that you'd be under contract. You couldn't work for anybody else. And they would try to come up with projects for you to do. But you got right. paid anyway. Like non-compete stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But they treated everybody like yeah. crap. You're right. Those like, clauses are illegal in California now. No, yeah. no non-competes allowed. Yeah. Because um, they're like, actually, that's removing workers' rights. F you. But, yeah, you know, always a pro and a con with stuff. Yeah, um, it's true. But, okay, oh, wait, I remembered where I was going to go earlier or something. It was about the opinion thing. So what you're saying about people having uninformed opinions and mm-hmm. uneducated opinions and that, you know, we have the right to critique them. When I see somebody spouting, like, some crazy anti-vax stuff and then they say coronavirus is a hoax, um, I'm like, why are you wearing a mask in your picture? Mm-hmm. Like, let's let's... Why don't, why don't you live your values? Okay, you sound crazy. Um, it really bothers me that that person who doesn't do their due diligence on actually looking at firsthand sources, who, who doesn't bother to think for themselves, who believes whatever someone else that they already agreed with told them to believe about something, right? They're just regurgitating information someone else said. There's no critical thinking and say, how does this, how does this reinforce my values, right? How does this reinforce what I believe about myself and who I want to be and the decisions that I want to make and what I believe makes a good person, right? Instead of doing that, they just like, Fox and Trump said this and fake news. Um, It really bothers me that that person, their vote counts the same as my well-researched, well-informed, educated one. Sure. Yeah, that's true. I think we should all have the right to vote, but I would like to have like a basic competency test. Like, okay, you understand basic high school biology. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Actually, no, screw that. Make the biology test for the elected officials to run, but people have to like answer a questionnaire about what they understand about it, the uh, uh, ballot initiative or whatever it was, before they vote. Well, speaking of the 50s, if we went back... And did things like that, and I know, took that I, I, money from the rich any people. Voter and laws like that, it just hurt. Yeah. If we just poured it into oh. education, then we wouldn't need these tests. You know what I mean? If we. It, I agree. No, no, you're absolutely right. It's the defunding of education. Absolutely, it'd be the reason we have uninformed people, and why, like, when I get mad with somebody on Twitter, I get into Twitter fight. I might eventually, you might see me, and we're like, you know what? This actually isn't your fault. You know, the GOP and the Republican, like the Republicans, the Democrats have both been defunding education. Um, <laughs> for the last 50 years, right, and Republicans in particular, um, as a means of keeping an ignorant, apathetic voter base who is unable to think critically. Um, this is a means of keeping power. It's not your fault the system failed you, right? <laughs> so at, at the end of the day, if you have access to the internet, you have access to the greatest research tool ever invented. Now it's also back on you. Yeah. The other people who drive me nuts with their opinions are the people who are educated, but they cherry pick from their education to create this... Cherry picking data to reinforce their own narratives. Yeah. Oh, I hate that. I hate that. I hate that so much. And they're the worst too because because they're educated and, and, and they know what they've cherry picked and they know what they're talking about. They're very hard to have an argument or a debate with. Because they will, Mm -hmm. like, spew all these facts that you can't refute because they're facts. And it's like, well, but what about those other facts? Those other facts over there, you know? Uh, For those people, I will just quote tweet them and I'll say list their logical fallacies rather than going into the exact specifics of the factoid. I'm going to go into how they're misapplying it. Well, this doesn't automatically equal that. Now you're making a false 
correlation. Correlation is not equal to cost station. You're also making a straw man here because nobody was arguing that. You're trying to make it seem like that to have some type of moral high ground, but it's wrong. And then your last logical fallacy that I typically see is cherry-picked information. You should know that cherry-picking things that reinforce your belief while ignoring the things that don't is another logical fallacy and not a sound or valid argument. Why don't you try again? Yeah, yeah. I there's a... People get mad and block me after that happens, though. They don't Whatever. like having their bad logic skills pointed out to them. <laughs> Again, I'm sorry that the system failed them by not teaching them critical thinking skills. I was homeschooled till seventh grade, so I'm a little bougie in this regard. <laughs> um, definitely lacked some social skills, though. Let me tell you, middle school is not a good time to learn how to adapt to other kids. Oh, my God. Getting thrust into a the school system. So and Oh, wow. That, that must have been hard. At middle school, the girls were so mean to me, dude. Like, I will just, I, I, I will never forget how mean they were. I remember this girl came and said to me to, oh, you should totally ask out that boy you like. I bet he likes you too. And then him laughing at me because he thought I was joking. And then, oh, what do you know that afternoon? They're dating. Fuck you, bitch. I still remember that. Well, if it makes you feel any better, your homeschooling years, I went to public school all through those. And the kids were mean to me that whole time too. They were mean <laughs> They were mean to me. All right. The college was the first I wasn't missing out. school I went to where people weren't mean to me. You know, I mean, I what? was in I was in New York City, so people mugged me and, you know, screamed at me and tried to get in fights with me, but it was a different ball of wax. Yeah, totally. Oh, my God. Where did you go to school? Um, college. Mm-hmm. Uh, NYU. In New York? Mm-hmm. Okay. I assumed, I was going to assume Tish. Yes. That's, I wasted so for... much of my parents' money on a BFA, a Bachelor of Fine Arts. <laughs> a waste, waste of money. It was fun, though. I had a well, good time. Well, if it's any consolation, if I had gone for Fine Arts when I first started... I would have my degree instead of still working my way through slowly because I tried to make everybody else happy and made myself miserable trying to do business for my dad or pre-med for my aunt or pre-law for my mom until finally I was like, why don't I go to school for something that interests me, which is anthropology, which I'm going to seek into evolutionary psychology. Um, hopefully, fingers crossed at Stanford. Um, because they have the wow. best program in the country because I really want to understand how much free will actually exists and how much our biology impacts our decisions. Mm-hmm. Like, I really want to solve the question of biodeterminism and apparently that's the field that is researching that. So I'm uh, just, you know, I'm going down that path because it would be nice to know um, when we're actually conflating something that's real with something that we feel. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to know where these things begin and end. I agree. Right, right. And, and, and knowing, like, that that difference on, like, certain things. Even just, like, biological reproductive behavior. Like, like uh, I think that spawned it was, like, the Red Pill on Reddit, which is a terrible community that nobody should ever review. They've been banned from Reddit now, but it's pretty much, like, men's right activists. Some <laughs> of the things they say are not entirely wrong to me. I worked at, uh, when I was in New York, I worked at the Learning Annex. Have you ever heard of the Learning Annex? Okay. I have heard of the Learning Annex. Yeah. So I worked there. I was a registrar. I answered phones and signed people up for classes. And there was one class called, it was the best name for a class. It was called How to Make Your Man Behave in 21 Days or Less. And they, they they had this... This seminar, which I thought was hilarious. And then there was a men's rights group protesting this class outside. I was like, well, what? Well, what? That was in the, you know, that was back in the 90s. So bizarre. That reminds me of like, um, oh my God, it was like a big Catholic book going around in Northern California for a while. It was really weird and culty. It was called How to Change Your Husband. But what it was really about was about you being a better Stepford wife. Oh. That by being a better Stepford wife, your husband will be a better husband. Was essentially the book. Um, That's. Mm. That kind of reminds me of like the opposite of that, like yeah. scenario. Yeah. Um, where like those exist too, which is just super fucking weird. Um, yeah. Yeah, it is weird. It, people you know, are. Uh, yeah. Religious communities in particular are very interesting. 
Um, like I was definitely like, obviously I was raised Catholic, homeschooled Catholic. I came from a very religious conservative background, very Republican family. Like, you know, I, I was essentially told to worship and suckle at the corporate teat. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Um, my parents were very, 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 very much Republican, lifelong Republicans, voted for Reagan, um, you know, hated Bill Clinton, all that good stuff. My mom, lifelong Republican, 2016, is like, I'm not voting for another adulterer in the White House. Bill Clinton was bad enough. I'm not voting for Donald Trump. That man's a scumbucket. <laughs> My mom, for the first time in her life, switched to independent, didn't vote Republican. Oh, well, good for her. Hates the Clintons, right? Didn't do it. Good for her. Right? Like, saying religious stuff is weird, but for some people, they actually applied those values correctly and said, I'm not going to do this because this person is not what we claim we believe in. What? Well, my, uh, I was lucky in that my parents politically were, they were always independents. Um, uh, they were not Reagan people at all. They voted for Anderson um, back then. Um, but uh, I was raised Catholic. But my mother, talking about, right. you know, critical thinking and, and, and being a proper Christian and all that, she actually stopped going to the Catholic Church. Which is crazy. She still goes to church. She goes to like some other over the, denomination. Over the like what child sex abuse stuff or? You know, I, when I asked her, I said, is it because of all the molestation? She said, that's part of it. But a bigger part of it is I hate the way the Catholic church spends its money. Like mostly. That's fascinating. Yeah. She, she did not like that. They spend their money telling people to practice, uh, you know, uh, abstinence and, and telling them safe sex is evil and all that yeah. stuff. She's like, it's a waste of money. Yeah. Um, my grandmother was like a, a lay nun. It was like the, like a third order Franciscan or whatever. Um, and you know, when more child sex abuse came out, um, what the real like straw that broke the camel's back for her was like the news came out about this like cloistered convent in like Ireland or France or something like that, where, you know, some of the nuns, pretty much like broke on out um and they'd all taken like vows of obedience and vows of silence um they were getting raped by the priests there um and if they got pregnant the catholic church was using that money to force them to have abortions so the irony of catholics who say that planned parenthood performs abortions you can't give them money but your tithes catholic church daughters dollars went to pay for the forced abortion of a raped nun and to cover it up you can say they do a lot of good, but it's the same argument, right? Same argument. These institutions yeah. actually do similar things. Just one of them is for people who want to be there, and the other one are people who are trapped. And at that time, she's like, it's really hard to be a Catholic, and she stopped going to church as well. And oh, she's like, really? It's just too hard. I can't reconcile it anymore. Yeah, We're lucky. We have at that point. Um, we have relatives who think critically and are skeptical of things. That's that's we're lucky I know, in that. I can't imagine. Realm. I know, I know. I, I, I definitely feel very blessed on that. Um, my dad still says some like really ridiculous things. Um, he's really high up in tech, so I'm not going to say anything about him right now. But he has said some things where I'm like, okay, this is a product of your generation, so I'm going to let this slide right now, but don't ever say this in public around me ever again. Oh, wow, Dude, okay. People just looked over at us. We are in San Francisco. You can't say that kind of stuff, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> just like things that are just insensitive, right? Things that are just insensitive. They're not like malicious they're just like right. you did not think about the fact that it's like the year 2019 or 2020 when this happened versus the olden times like this used to be okay but be sensitive you yeah see these kinds of things anymore yeah and it's easy to really drunk it's so, easy to not you know. it's easy to not but anyway your lunch right. break's probably right. over isn't it I know it is it is I had somebody call me but I just I texted her and I said that um I would be back. I technically came in early today by 10 minutes, just in case. So um, it is probably about time. I mean, came in early working from home. The line <laughs> between work it's and very home are weird. Very blurred. Yeah. It's, it's so hard not to want to check my email on the weekends or after hours. I'm like, but I just want to. I'm like, no, do not, because if you start responding to something, you should technically be paid for that time. And then you overtime has to be prior approved. Just don't do it. It's not worth it. Yeah. It's so hard to just not. My uh, wife has gotten very good. Where it's like. 
My wife at three yeah. thirty is done. Tips? She's done. Mm-hmm. She, she doesn't. Done. She done. shuts it all off. Done. Okay, that makes sense. I switch everything over from my work PC to my laptop, and like I turn off my work computer, and I'm like, like as soon as I'm off, I'm like, do not. You're not. It would be way too much effort for you to switch everything back now. Like switching my monitors. So just, just don't. Just don't. Just, don't. just you got to yeah. compartmentalize. Yeah. That's all there is to it. It's, 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 there's this like weird expectation where it's like, what we know you don't have anything to do when you're already home, so why not? <laughs> Thank God I'm not exempt, or that would be the case. Yeah. Ugh. So how do you end your show? Do you just tell everybody goodbye? Oh well, um, well you know if this is a live show, I would prompt the uh, audience for questions. But since it's not, they're just gonna have to post comments, and if they have any questions they wanted to ask Todd um, for next time you'll just have to post them so we can get to them in the future but thank you so much and have a great night don't forget to hit subscribe and like (laughs) thanks Jillian